The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. May 2023 began with Prince Harry dominating the headlines before Philip Schofield's affair with the affair with the younger colleague blew up at the start of the summer. Meanwhile, things were far from quiet in the political sphere, where COVID inquiries, Rwanda resignations, and David Cameron's comeback were the hallmarks of Rishi Sunak's first full year as Prime Minister. So, for a, a look back at a troubled year in the UK, we're joined by TRT World presenter Andrew Brady. And a good morning. Good morning, Pat. Good to speak to you again. Now, uh, what are the highlights for you? What stands out in a a year of news coverage in the UK? Very good question, actually. There's been so much. I think you could sum up 2023 as a year where it it almost got less crazy. And and that was a good (laughs) thing. I mean, you know, Sunak kind of coming in and just being as bland as he is and ineffective and the opposition calling him inaction man, We've almost got used to this kind of plodding normality of a government that doesn't do very much, just waiting for an election. Um, I would say the standout kind of shocking moment for me was Cameron's return because it wasn't leaked. Nobody knew about it. And it was one of those jaw-dropping moments when you had to kind of look twice to see, is that actually Cameron going back into Downing Street? Um, what shocked me about it was that I, I would have thought that the man would never show his face politically again because it is absolutely down to him that uh, the Brexit referendum happened when it did. He bowed to pressure um, from the European Research Group and so on and the people the, uh, like Nigel Farage. He bowed to that pressure. He had an opportunity when the polls weren't going so well with the murder of Joe Cox to call the whole thing off. He did not. Uh, and uh, he lost. And what has he done to Britain? Yes, you know, he, I, I got to be fair to Cameron. I know him reasonably well, and I've I've spent a lot of time in his company. He He's paid a heavy price, personally. He gets abuse everywhere he goes. His, his family get abuse. And I think he's fundamentally a very decent man. He's far more interesting and human and understanding and decent than Boris Johnson could ever be. Um, and I think why Cameron's come back is that he feels he has something to give the country still here and he wants to prove it. And I think a lot of it as well was driven by the fact that he's rattling around a big house in rural Oxfordshire, quite bored, and he's still a comparatively young man with, with a lot of energy. So, look, they're using him. They've put him to good work. He's been busy. I saw he was in Paris yesterday. Then he was in Rome, you know, trying to hammer out some sort of pressure on Israel to stop what it's doing to the people of Gaza. Um, Cameron's an interesting character. And I think, yeah, Brexit will be the first and last paragraphs of any political obituary about him. Mm. Um, but he, he he personally, I think, has paid a very, very heavy price and he knows it. Now, the question of his comeback, though, uh, he you know wants to be of service to his country was uh, his line. And when he called, he was going to answer the call. Uh, He's looking for redemption. There's no doubt about that. But uh, there's another uh, blondie-haired former British Prime Minister who has ambitions for a Churchillian uh, comeback. Does Cameron have the same? I mean, does Cameron think in maybe in his deepest dreams that he could be back in 10 Downing Street uh, as, you know, a steady hand of the tiller? Maybe not this election cycle, but the one after when maybe Labour haven't done as well as they might have hoped uh, with their plans and so on. Is that in the back of his mind? I could make a comeback. I could wipe the Brexit slate clean. No, I, I, hand on heart. I don't think Cameron's like that. He's not that kind of person. I think he realises he had six fairly decent years as prime minister. 
one catastrophic mistake in allowing the people of this country a say in policy. Um, and he will live with that forever. I don't think Cameron, even if it was offered to him on a plate in the morning, do you want to be prime minister again? I don't think he does, genuinely. Um, he, he's far smarter than Sunak. He's far smarter than Johnson. And I think he realises that ship has sailed. Now, Johnson, there are lots of Conservatives on manoeuvres at the moment. This Christmas will be spent in the political world, on WhatsApp, gauging support, seeing who's doing what and who's rowing in behind whom. Cameron's not like that. Cameron, I think, will be happy to serve out just as Foreign Secretary, a little addendum, if you like, to his CV. Um, the Conservatives will be kicked out of power next year, if you believe the polls, 20% clear is Keir Starmer of the Labour Party. So they're not going to overturn that in a few months, even though inflation has come down to 3.9% today. Um, Cameron's a very, very different human being to Boris Johnson. Mm. Now, we see in the United States that uh, Donald Trump, who wants to get back into the White House, is playing the race card, uh, talking about poisoning of, uh, of the nation's blood, etc., etc. But it only seems to be the, the blood of, um, you know, people of brown and black skin that poisons the blood. Uh, people like himself with a heritage in Scotland or whatever, they don't do any poisoning, strangely enough. It's, it's quite odd. But uh, is it likely that... Uh, Sunak and his colleagues will try to use immigration into Britain as a way to possibly reverse, uh, to stem the flow of support, uh, which is I drifting from them. Yeah, I think you will absolutely be, be right in that assessment. I think they have weaponized the migration debate. What the Conservatives here won't tell you is that net migration into the UK is three times higher than it was under the last Labour government. It stood around a quarter of a million under Gordon Brown per annum. Uh, It is now north of 675,000. So that takes out everyone who's left, uh, Brits who've gone abroad, and they're never called migrants, Pat, by the way. Brits who move to other countries are called expats, you'll note. Um, So, yeah, I think what we're likely to see in this election campaign is a really nasty, bitter contest The Conservatives are so far behind. I think you'll see a lot of mud slung at Keir Starmer. I read recently that they're already looking back at his record as a a lawyer, basically, when he was a human rights lawyer, um, to kind of drag up any cases he may have been involved in. So you're going to see a lot of mud slung in the coming months. But look, Sunak is the richest politician ever in British politics. His wife is a billionaire. And as soon as he's done with politics, which I, I don't genuinely believe he has any kind of passion for or ability at, I think you will see Sunak and family leg it over to California. Um, the other issues that have dominated, of course, the, the whole business of the Rwanda law that was uh, struck down and then a new uh, Rwanda plan was being hatched, which is kind of halfway through the process. Um, is that ever likely to fly? I mean, the idea of people arriving in Britain by a small boat across the channel from France or from Belgium being dispatched by plane halfway across the world. It just, on the face of it, seems ludicrous. It is ludicrous. And everyone you speak to, even deep inside government and deeper still inside the Conservative Party, will hold their hands up and say, look, it's a great headline act, gets a lot of people talking, but it's not going to fly. Only three people from the UK. So this has cost... The latest projection I I was given the other day was 290 million sterling has been spent on this ridiculous policy already. Only three people from the UK have actually gone to Rwanda. 
Priti Patel, Suella Braverman and James Cleverley, all three home secretaries. So not a single asylum seeker has gone to Rwanda. And the Rwandan government, I think, are just, they must be just laughing. Um, if, if You know, the, the money is rolling in for them. They haven't had to do anything. And Rishi Sunak has tied his political future to this rather bizarre policy. And the idea that by act of parliament, you can declare that Rwanda is a safe country. Yes, so they tried that last week. It got voted through. There'll be more votes on that legislation in January. You'll note that there was a good chunk of his own Conservative Party actually abstained on this, not because they don't uh, agree that Rwanda is a safe country. They actually want the legislation to go even further. They want Sunak to take Britain out of the European Court of Human Rights, uh, which for now he's not prepared to do. So I think 2024... The Conservative Party in the UK needs to have a a big conversation about what it actually is, because there's so many factions. And even the other day, someone said, oh, I'm with the new Conservatives. You know, it's it's almost like some musical group from the 80s, except um, not producing anything worthwhile. Um, Nigel Farage, we saw him in the jungle. Um, He did not rule out somehow becoming leader of the Conservative Party. Um, What do you think? So the whisper I heard last week is that he wants to run as a Conservative candidate in Esher, which is a very affluent little place in Surrey, not that far away from the racetrack in Epsom. Um, a lot of money in that area. He's a multimillionaire now. And what did he pick off? Almost the, the guts of €2 million Euros for having a few spiders and creepy crawlies on him uh, in the jungle. Nice money. Look, Farage definitely fancies his chances of becoming Conservative Party leader, I I think that would be complete political suicide. The the smarter people in the party, Kemi Badenoch, for example, she's on manoeuvres. Penny Mordaunt is silently going about quietly building a leadership campaign. You know, these are the smarter ones that are left who genuinely would have a chance of being the next leader, assuming Sunak doesn't win the election. Uh, finally, Enda, showbiz news, and uh, the royal family often is categorised under that uh, name. Um, what stuck out for you? I guess you'd have to say it was the publication of Prince Harry's book, Spare. Um, if we were to put him in the category now of a celebrity, seeing he's no longer a member of the royal family, um, a guy who has, a lot of people would say, is doing more to invade his own privacy than any journalist or anyone else has. Um, An extraordinary book uh, published and all of the Netflix and all of the other podcasts and everything else he's done. Um, He'll probably wake up on Christmas morning wondering why he didn't get an invite to Sandringham. Go figure. Um, that that was a standout moment. And of course, the Philip Schofield uh, alleged affair and everything and his departure from Good Morning uh, this morning and Holly Willoughby as well leaving. And um, it's been, you know, yeah, there hasn't, I don't think there's been a quiet day this year, Pat. I'm just looking forward to catching my breath. All right. And we look forward to talking to you in 2024. And Brady, who is a presenter with TRT World, uh, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.